come with us. When you wish upon a star. Come and remember the magic. What's up, all you rad dudes and dudettes? Welcome to a bonus episode of 90s Disney. I'm your host, AJ Minotti, and I am joined today by a very special guest. He is the CEO of Dalala Studios, the third AJ to appear on the show, <laughs> AJ Grand Scrutton. Did I say that correctly? I should have asked you before did. we started. Well done. All right. well Got done. it. Got it. AJ, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. So you are here because your studio announced during the D23 Expo your upcoming game starring Mickey Minnold Donald and Go- Mickey Minnie Donald and Goofy <laughs> Illusion Island and yes. as someone who of course has a 90s Disney podcast and grew up playing a lot of Mickey Mouse games in the 90s the word illusion really jumped out at me <laughs> for obvious reasons and I oh. we just kind of started talking one day on Twitter and here we are so I wanted to start this conversation by asking you first a little bit about your path into the gaming industry and how Delala Studios came about. So can you give us the uh, the elevator pitch on all that? Yeah, sure. So, um, man, I got into games, I want to say 15 years or so ago, I joined the industry. Um, so my first job was I was a, a game content developer at Jagex. So Jagex are kind of known for RuneScape. I worked on an unreleased title there called Stella Dawn, and it was this a hybrid role where kind of you designed your quests and then you programmed them. So kind of, I was always a programmer who wanted to be a designer. So it was a great role. Um, I was there a few years. Then the guy that gave me my job at Jagex started a studio called Bossa. Um, So I then went and joined as Bossa's employee number nine. I think they're up to like a hundred and something now. Um, I was there a year. We made a game called Monster Mind. It came out, it did okay, but it won like a BAFTA award, which was really nice because we beat some, bigger studios um and at that time kind of dynamics were changing between me and people there and it felt like a good time to move on um and at jagex i'd met a guy called craig who i'd been mentoring there for some reason they put me as his mentor i took him to bossa and then like when i decided to leave we had the conversation and we're just like hey like you know we don't have any kids right now or mortgage like if we're ever going to take the leap to do our own thing like why not now um so we like we left our lovely high paid London jobs. We had about three thousand pounds. So roughly then that would have been like four and a half thousand dollars uh, between the two of us. I kind of started working from my mum's garage. He worked from his girlfriend's mum's spare bedroom, and we started Delala. And that was it. There was no plan. Like there was no game idea. There was nothing. No plan whatsoever. Um, fast forward a decade later, and here we are talking about a brand new game we're doing with Disney. That's awesome. So. Um... I know one of the first games I really heard of Dalala in, in uh, association with was the Battletoads game that came out recently. So um, kind of before Battletoads, what were you guys um, working on as a studio leading up to that game? Oh, wow. So, um, yeah, I mean, a lot of things no one's heard of. So when we started, we did a Windows 8 launch title in eight weeks called Janksy, which was like a little Angry Birds style space game. Um we then got incubated by Microsoft for like 15 months and everything we did there is like locked away in the Microsoft vault. Um, and then when we left, kind of we had this big creative outlet and we made this game called Overall, um, 
And Overworld is my ugly child. Like Overworld is a game I love so much. Design-wise, it's brilliant, but we didn't have any real money to make it. So like, it's so ugly. Um, no offense to the wonderful artists that worked with us, but we did it on like the slightest shoestring you could imagine. Um, <laughs> but I love the idea. It was this really fun combination of like, uh, like a little bit of like a four-player brawler, but mixed with like the card game Flux. So you're, the rules are always changing. You're always changing the rules. Um, we then actually signed a deal with Disney in 2015 and we were working on that for a year and then Disney changed their strategy and kind of we got cancelled with some other project. And then in between that and kind of Battletoads, we did, um, we worked on Sea of Thieves for six months before it came out with Rare, which was a lot of fun. We worked on an internal IP called Nothing to Fear, um, which, you know, we got really far down the line with, but then had to stop because the Battletoads deal came up. And we kind of did, we picked up like bits and bob jobs where like, we did like training games for like the, some of the American government stuff. Um, but yeah, Battletoads was really the first big hitter we did. So what was the experience like taking, that was, I guess, you know, your first time taking an established IP, you know, you have to adhere to kind of what came before, but then putting your own spin on it. Talk a little bit about what that process was like for Battletoads. Yeah. So it was great. I mean, we had this great existing relationship with Rare. I mean, I've known Craig who runs Rare since we started, met him the year we formed. I've been trying to get Battletoads since the year we formed, but I gave him so many bad pitches before the good pitch. Um, but when we decided to do this, I was very open. I said, look, you know, I'm a fan of the original Battletoads. The 1991 Battletoads is my favourite Battletoads game. That's the game that's inspired me to want to make this. But, I mean, it's 26 years later, so it's like 24 years later at this point. Um, so I said, look, we have to assume a third of the user base is dead. Like, let's assume a third of the original people that played Battletoads <laughs> are dead. Right. Let's assume a third of parents who probably don't have the time to play games anymore. And then, so maybe at best, there's a third of the original fans of Battletoads who might want to play this. So, with that in mind, like we need to make Battletoads for a new audience. Like, let's have the nods and the homage in there for the original Battletoads fans like myself. But, like, let's try and make it like somebody else's new favorite Battletoads game. Um, and they were 100% on board with that. So, they let us kind of redesign the characters, which we did with our wonderful friend Mike Dietz, who was like on the original Earthworm Gym. In fact, for your standpoint, Mike was the guy who um, was pretty much the only game animator on the Aladdin game. So he taught oh, the nice. animators how to animate for games on Aladdin. So I've actually got a load of PDFs from Mike that have got all like the original notes he gave the Disney animators on like how to animate Aladdin doing this. And um, so Mike designed the characters for us. Um, and yeah, we kind of just built this new story where we kept the original canon intact, but then just put this twist on it that they'd been trapped in this, you know, this fantasy bunker for like the last 26 years. Um and it was interesting. Like we made quite strong decisions. Like things like, you know, not to give spoilers, but this happens in the first level. Um, the Dark Queen, the Battletoads' lifelong nemesis, you have to have an allegiance with um, in our game. And things like this, which we knew would upset a lot of existing fans, but I also had faith it was the right decision to bring the franchise to a new audience. Mm -hmm. So cool. And then so. I remember uh, like, like Phil Spencer kept coming out wearing like Battletoad shirts and everything like that, where you guys just saw kind of like biding your time, like they don't know it's coming. So, this, so the funniest thing is the E3 where he came out with the Battletoad shirt, we weren't doing Battletoads. So we had not started Battletoads at that point. Phil Spencer is a genuine Battletoads fan. Oh, that's um, awesome. <laughs> which makes pitching a Battletoads game to Microsoft even more terrifying, to be honest. Yeah, because you don't want to upset the big guy, make something exactly. he's going to like. Nice. So let's go back and talk about um, 
as you were growing up, what kind of influence did Disney have on you as a child? Oh, I mean, lifelong Disney fan. Absolutely lifelong Disney fan. I mean, in fact, hold on. Here you go. This is my childhood copy of Castle of Illusion and Quackshot for the Mega Drive. Oh, you had the two-pack. Nice. Um, I also had Castle of Illusion on the Game Gear, um, which I think is actually here as well somewhere. My childhood Game Gear is, is kicking about somewhere. Um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I've always loved Disney in all media, to be honest. Like, the games are a no-brainer, right? Like, you know, I'm an, I was born in 84, so by the time the 90s hit and we got World of Illusion, Castle of Illusion, like, absolutely adored those games. Um, still adore those games now. Um, and obviously, like, the film and television stuff, I've always loved Mickey. Um, I've always really been into the early Mickey stuff, like the, the early stuff, the 30s, the 40s stuff. Mm-hmm. Um you know, in the 90s, Mickey shifted a little bit more towards a more, you know, younger skewing style of Mickey at that yeah, point. Yeah, he was a little more squeaky clean at that point. Yeah, exactly. And Donald kind of took over being the cantankerous kind of brutish one out of the two of them. Um, but yeah, you know, some of my favorite stuff, thinking about like watching, you know, all the Disney, like Mickey's Christmas Carol stuff, like when I was younger and all that. So, and then obviously, of course, all the Disney films, like all all the Disney films. Um, Including, you know, the ones like Emperor's New Groove and stuff, which were a little bit later in nineties. But yeah, like, you know, I watched Disney with my parents growing up and my nan. I watched Disney with my sister, played the games. Like Disney's been a consistency through my life for as long as I can remember. Nice. So uh that's funny. I'm actually born in eighty four as well. So that's another thing we've got in common here. Um did you so if people haven't picked this up from hearing your accent, you're coming fr- to us from England. So um at the time when it was Euro Disney, now Disneyland Paris, was that somewhere you visited a lot in your childhood? Oh yes, so lots of Disneyland memories. Um, my when I was in, I mean, your equivalent of high school, I would have been. So I would have been at the time, probably fifteen, I think, maybe fourteen or fifteen, doing exams. My dad had a bad accident. My dad was a truck driver, and um, he accidentally blew himself up. So he accidentally left a gas canister open in his truck that he used for cooking. Like put mm-hmm. the next gas canister and lit it, and he blew himself up. So he was actually hospitalized for a little while. But um, while he was hospitalized, we got an insurance payout, and so we the family used that to get, help me and my sister get over the trauma of dad nearly cooking himself alive. Which thank God he didn't. Um, we went to Disneyland. So like we have this really funny thing where like this horrible thing happened. Then my first memory after that is like visiting dad in hospital, and like he looked fine, but it like it. It had like the burns had just given him fresh skin. So his tattoo looked brand new and he had this clown <laughs> nose where his nose was red. And then the next thing I can remember from there is we, we got to go for Disneyland Paris and we actually got to go to the Disneyland Hotel, which back then was like a lot of money, right? Like it was hard mm-hmm. to get in there. Um, and so lots of memories of going to Disneyland, like fair, fair handful of times with my family. Um, and, you know, I've been with my wife. I used it to trick my wife. So, um, she was not my wife at the time. She was my girlfriend. And this was a couple of years ago. And we'd been together at this point by 10 years. So to celebrate our 10 years, we went to Disneyland Paris. And she was convinced that if I was ever going to propose, it would be then. And I knew that's what she thought. So I actually waited until the week after we got back from Disneyland to propose. Um, <laughs> yeah, like we spent, our ten, we spent our 10 years of being together there. Um, it's just, I mean, I, I love Disneyland. It is literally the most magical place on earth. And you know, I've got fun memories of the Crushes coaster recently, but going back to Indiana Jones and when it was going backwards and 
as a big Star Wars fan, going to Star Tours, even though he's in French and I don't know what they're saying. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I was a massive Goofy fan growing up, like a massive Goofy fan. So there's plenty of pictures of me. I've always been quite tall. So I'm 6'3 now and I hit 6'3 pretty early. So there's lots of pictures of quite large, not so much child hugging Goofy in Disneyland Paris. <laughs> And have you ever been to any of the other parks, either here in the States or Japan or anything? Yes, yeah, so I've been to LA. So LA, we were out. We actually went to LA um, the day after we announced the D23 this year. And we'd been to the LA one, um, California one, when we signed the original Disney deal in 2015 and we came out. So yeah, like been to the California one twice and I've probably been to Disneyland Paris eight or nine times, I reckon. Nice, nice. Um I'm curious to ask because because I don't know anyone who's done it firsthand. Have you been in all the different iterations of Space Mountain in Disneyland Paris? So I've only I've done two iterations, I believe. I think that's it. But I don't go on it as much now. Where I've got older, bigger, and creakier, <laughs> I, I, I cannot handle Space Mountain as much anymore. Um, so I mean, the last time I was on Space Mountain was probably over a decade ago. Okay, so that would have been Mission Two at that point. I, I'm just yeah. I'm so fascinated by the first version of it, and and it, like I'm put, like, what's the word I want? Retroactively upset that it doesn't exist anymore, even though I never have or will be on it. But and <laughs> I, I, I would it. assume I, that was the very the very first time we went on it. Probably was that one. That one, the, that the, the the kind of real hardcore Jules Verne style one. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. That, exactly. That. Yeah. Because we're going back. I mean, we're going back a long time. We're going back twenty odd years. So nice. So from the 90s, do you have a favorite Disney animated film from what everyone calls that golden era of, of movies? Oh, from the that came out in the 90s itself? Yeah, let's, let's, let's keep it there since, you know, that's our thing, I guess. Oh, man. Favorite one that came out in the 90s. When did Emperor's New Groove come out? Was that early noughties or does that count as 90s? I think that was 2000. I'm trying to remember I now. think I should know this. Emperor's New Groove. Let's Let's ask the magic box. That was 2000. I'll, I'll, okay. I'll, I'll give I'll give it to you if well, you want. If, that, if, if that's the case, what about Mulan? That that was a 90s. That was, right? yeah, that was 90s so, for sure. So then it would be Mulan. If it couldn't be Emperor's New Groove, it would be Mulan then. Um, yeah, I mean, I absolutely adore Mulan. Like, Eddie Murphy was obviously incredible in it. But, like, it's it's just great. Like, the action sequences in it are brilliant. And it, it is, like you said, it's that the quality of animation is just unheard of. Like, it's just mm -hmm. incredible. I always liked when I, it was pointed out to me a few years ago that Mulan has the highest body count of any Disney hero <laughs> when you consider the avalanche. <laughs> All right. So talking about a little more specifically about some of these uh, Mickey Mouse video games from the 90s, you already showed me your your Castle of Illusion original cartridge. So I'm, I'm going to guess that you played... Um, all four of the illusion games because there was the two for genesis well excuse me the mega drive i'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll stay in your lingo because we had castle of illusion world of illusion and then there were two that were game gear exclusive hang on i have the names there was land of illusion and legend of illusion do you ever play those guys so no was legend of japan only uh i don't think so uh no they have eu release dates but they were only on the game gear and they were like late game gear games yeah so land but they are I different know, land i know means is how i will word it um so i had castle i had weld i played land more recently never mm. played legend so never right. played legend illusion yeah um didn't play it in the 90s but a big fan now of magical quest mm -hmm. yeah that was the one. Th those were like more um super nintendo games i yeah, think the second one came out for mega drive but the rest were super nintendo but 
World of Illusion in particular was kind of noteworthy for having co-op into the game. So did you co-op that game when you played it or did you play it solo? Oh, co-op. So um, my best friend, Rag Mark Reagan, who is my IT director at Delala, um, we have played that game so many times. One of the first things we did before we became, became friends was we played World of Illusion around his mum's house. Um, we played it like we've played for it many, many times over the years. I mean, that game is just is so good in co-op. It's just so much fun. Were you Mickey or were you Donald? Uh, so when we played it with his, I believe he shotgunned Donald. So <laughs> I was, and it, you know, there's nothing wrong with getting Mickey, but you know, I think uh, most people wanted to get the Donald Duck action. Right. I let Mike about, have Donald, my brother. My, I let my brother Mike be Donald because he like we had a weird split in our house where I was the goofy fan, Mike was the Donald fan, and Chris kind of got Mickey by default because he was the youngest. <laughs> Which you know that's fine. Um, but yeah, I, I just remember for all the illusion games, that one in particular, they had so much character that you didn't often get in a platform game. Um, just with the you know the quality animation was, was astounding, but just even those little bit of voice samples you got when you know they got hit or they you know you would cast the the cape spell on each other and mess with each other always stuck out to me is just like like this weird little jumping quality that you didn't get all the time back then definitely and like the actual like like i said the animation but the quality of the character design in those games like really trumps a lot of the other game like if you look at the mickey and donald and those and you compare it to some of the other mega drive and snes titles like world of illusion stands head and shoulders above like pretty much every iteration um yeah like it's just brilliant like it like you know, the big thing we say is we're trying to make playable cartoons. Well, they were doing that back then. Like that World of Illusion still feels like a playable cartoon now. And did you play Mickey Mania back in the day? So I played Mickey Mania now, but I didn't play it when it came out. Okay, because that game, that's another one that I had played that in the Sega CD, which was great because it had all the voice lines in it that you didn't get in the Super Nintendo and J- Mega Drive versions. But you guys in Europe actually got a PS1 version that was exclusive only to the PAL region, which um, if anyone wants to go check it out, because you could you know, go download an ISO for it if you wanted to. <laughs> um, but that had like actual 3D effects for the, the one tower climb and, and a few more sequences added on and stuff. So that was kind of like the definitive version. Um, so again, I was curious to see if you ever dipped into that one. Yeah, so we we play a lot of the we played a lot of the older games when we do we just research before starting Illusion Island, <laughs> um, because depressingly there is a lot of people on our team that weren't born when these games. <laughs> came. So like all everyone on our team knows who Mickey, Minnie, Donald, and Goofy is, but they hadn't necessarily heard of World of Illusion or Mickey Mania or Magical Quest. So. A little bit at the start of the project is like introducing people to these games for the first time. But um, I was really late stage PS. So I had, I did NES, then I jumped to Mega Drive and I was on Mega Drive for quite a while and I didn't actually move over because my dad got the N64, so I played that, but I didn't move over to PlayStation until they did the PS1, you know, where the, the world mini was one, yeah. Yeah. So that was the first time I moved over at that point. Okay. So yeah, great to hear you guys kind of played those games before getting into development on Illusion Island. So again, I, I know you're probably a little limited in what you can and can't talk about because the game was only just announced. But why don't you go ahead and quickly to start, I guess, for everyone who may not have been watching the announcement at D23 Expo, uh, tell us a little bit about what the game is. Yeah, sure. So it is a one to four player adventure co-op platformer. So it is, you play as Mickey, Minnie, Donald and Goofy in this big seamless world of just 
it's really all about the joy of movement. So like it's not about combat, it's not about aggression, it's just about having fun in this big kind of playground of an adventure land. And um what's happened is Mickey, Minnie, Donald and Goofy have turned up to this island uh, and they found this lovable rogue called Toku and these people called the Hokans and they discover that they've had three magical books stolen by thieves. Uh, and they're basically they ask you to go on a mission to retrieve them. So kind of when you come into the game, you are on this mission trying to recover these magical books for these cute little creatures. Uh, but as the title indicates, not everything is as it seems. So, um, you know, there'll be quite a few twists and turns along the way. Uh, the game itself is kind of traditional, hand-drawn, hand, like hand-key animated 2D platformer. Um, and it's also all the proper voice cast. So it is the actual Mickey, Minnie, Donald and Goofy. And it's got around 35 minutes of like fully animated TV style cutscenes in as well, um, which has been a real ball. Um, so yeah, like it's 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 just there for fun. Like the biggest thing I keep telling everyone is like, this isn't a game about super hard difficulty. It's a game about exploring this island, getting new abilities to get access to new areas, meeting a brand new cast of characters that you've never met before on a brand new island that we've never seen the Fab Four travel to before. Nice. So, like I said, the, the name obviously jumped out to me as a fan of, of 90s Mickey video games. Is it just kind of a, a like a nice little callback reference to those games, or is there any more direct tie to those older games? Yeah, so it's an, it's a, the name itself is really it's appropriate for the game, but it's more of an homage when looking back at those titles. Like, those titles were created by incredible teams, uh, and those titles will stand... The test of time, I think, well past when we're alive. Um, so I'm definitely not trying to say I'm continuing that series, but that series was a massive influence. Like if we hadn't played those games, we wouldn't be making this game. Um, and so kind of when we were exploring names, like we knew we wanted Illusion in there. It felt like an Illusion game. But until the story was fully developed and we knew what was going on, you know, we didn't know it would work. We didn't just want to put Illusion on it to try and be like, oh, look, you know, Hey, remember those games in the 90s? Um, we wanted to make sure it fit the story and it fit the world. And very luckily for me, it did. So kind of Disney were very kind to let me get the, the name I'd really hoped we would have. Nice. So when you're working with such iconic characters that you know are part of this kind of corporate machine where, where they're, they're more than just characters, they're, they're icons of a huge multinational company. You know, how restricted are you what you could do with these characters? How much freedom did you have? Like, did Disney really kind of give you guidelines or did they say, you know, have at it? Oh, I mean, it's been amazing. Like, it's been amazing. Um, I can't really describe the level of freedom because I still find it hard to believe how much I've been allowed to to really run with this. Um, the big thing is we were always going to be respectful. Like, we want to make this game because we love these characters. It's not a gimmick. We are... We are Mickey fans. Like my office is, I mean, like literally just on my desk, I can give you. I've got a Mickey figure here. I've got nice. a Mickey statue here. Like I'm surrounded by Mickey stuff. Like we love this IP. Um, so we knew there were certain rules of it because you know the, it's 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 been established for so long. But really, like they let me kind of explore a story that I wanted to tell, and I don't want to give too much away from that side of things, but. We're doing something with Mickey story-wise that's not really been done before. And the way we're doing it hasn't really been done. And I was very surprised how on board they were for it. So I've wrote all this story with my friend um, Kelsey, who was one of the writers on Battletoads. And then we got to partner with Chris Painter, who's this incredible writer in 
Disney games, but he's also done stuff for TV and he helped us kind of find the tone and understand like, hey, you know, these characters wouldn't say it like this. They'd say it like that. So we got to really learn how to write for the Fab Four. Um, and you very quickly discover as well when you're writing for things that Donald will be saying, you've got to make sure you avoid certain words because it's the Donald voice, right? So only certain words work. Um, and then, you know, they've let us redesign the characters. So these are brand new reimagined Delala versions of the Fab Four, um, obviously taking influence from what has come before us, you know, all the way back to Steamboat Willie through to kind of the wonderful world stuff. But yeah, like honestly, it's, I I can honestly think of not much at all that has been pushed back. Like, nice. you know, and I think if we'd been disrespectful or we'd gone in and we're deliberately trying to do things, which you can't do with these characters, like Disney would have shown us the way to get there. But, you know, I didn't come in here trying to do like Deadpool with Mickey. Um, <laughs> You know, I, I knew I wanted a game that felt like a Mickey experience and we wanted it to feel a little bit older. Like we didn't want to do Clubhouse Mickey. We wanted to make sure it felt like that 90s like game style Mickey, which is, you know, tonally a lot more akin to the the early Mickey cartoons. Right. Um, but yeah, like we've had an amazing amount of freedom. It, it had genuinely been just a really lovely experience. And more than anything, like I've got to learn how to write for these characters like that. I've got paid to learn how to write you know, <laughs> in this time, which is insane. Um, right. And then, you know, I got to spend a, a few evenings over a couple of weeks on a Zoom call watching Bill Farmer, the goofy I grew up with, reading my script for my game. Like, and I was getting paid to do this. I was getting paid to sit <laughs> there. Like, someone's paying me to watch Bill Farmer read my script. Um, yeah, it's all been... So surreal, but yeah, they've they've just been great. Like this, we've not hardly been restricted at all. But to give full credit to the team here, like I think a lot of that is because we've not tried to be disrespectful. <laughs> I think, you know, we love these characters. We've shown we love these characters, and also, you know, we know these characters. We grew up with them. We've spent a lot of time consuming media of these characters. Um, so I think as long as that's kind of kept in mind, I think like it's it will stay a lovely, pleasant experience. So you touched on one thing I kind of wanted to ask about too, because as you said, this is kind of a new design for these characters that that you guys developed. Was that always the plan that you guys were going to come up with your own design, or was there talk of using something like the world of Mickey design or, or something else more familiar? No, so we always knew we were going to do our own take on it. Um, when you allowed that option, you take that option, right? Like Lucy, uh, who's been the art director on this project, uh, is also our lead character designer, and she is incredible. Um, and the second Disney said, you know, hey, no, we want to see what Delala's take is. Um, we bit their hand off because how many people in history have had the chance to do a design for these characters? Do you know what I mean? Like you mm -hmm. see you see the T-shirts with the full Mickey lineup and there's like less than 10 Mickeys on there. Right. So we're now in this very small group that have now, you know, we can turn and say, hey, this is the Delala version of the Fab Four. Um, and it was super important for us that like had to feel like Mickey and Friends, but it had to work for the game. Like, what is the design that works for the style of animation we're doing that suits the world we're creating, that feels distinctive and unique, but still familiar? Like, and so there is a lot of those kind of classic callbacks to the early Mickey designs. Um, but you can see also those modern sensibilities that you do get in the wonderful world stuff. So from a gameplay perspective, um, you mentioned that it's, it's more about the kind of joy of movement and getting around the environment. So do, do each of the characters have unique move sets of their own or do they kind of play as copies of each other? Yeah. So they they all have the same 
they all have the same skills. They have different ways of achieving those skills. So I think, um, you know, this isn't a spoiler, so I'll talk about this. You might have seen in the trailer, like, um, Goofy's squeezing a giant mu- mustard bottle. Uh-huh. That's Goofy's glide. So where he has that, for instance, um, Mickey has, like, a cycle copter. So they both achieve the same thing. You can glide over a distance, but they have different items to do it. Um, and a lot of the difference in feel comes from the animation. So when we were designing the game, as soon as you do four-player local co-op, the one thing you want to really avoid is, like, the second you make any character faster than the others, someone's going off screen all the time. So we wanted all the characters to have the same movement, speed, jump hikes, etc. but try and achieve a different feel through animation. So when you play the game, Goofy feels heavy and floppy and it looks like he's slower, but he's exactly the same speed as Minnie, who's very light on her feet and kind of gliding around. And then Donald, who's very aggressively leaning forward and running. But if you hold the stick to the right, you're all moving at the same speed. It just You just get a different feel from the animation. Um, and that was super important because we wanted it to feel like a balanced experience, but we didn't just want it to feel like a just, oh, they've just changed Mickey for Donald. Like We wanted it to feel like each character feels unique without breaking the game. Nice. An illusion, if you will. There you go, exactly. <laughs> An illusion on the island, you could say. Exactly, exactly. And uh, when you're playing single player, are you still seeing all the characters on screen together or is, are you just picking your one character and kind of going off in that adventure alone? So you pick your one character, you play as one character, but all the characters are present for the story. So not just the animated cutscenes, but the in-game cutscenes, the other characters will kind of pop in and pop out because okay. big thing for us is like, this is the journey the four of them are going on. So even if you're only playing as one, the other three are still really there with you. And, uh, you guys announced this. This is a Nintendo Switch exclusive, which I think is you know makes sense because that's kind of your target market for a, a Mickey Mouse game. Um, is there talk of it coming to other platforms down the line, or is this going to be an exclusive relationship with Nintendo for the game? So it's 100% debuting exclusively on the Switch. Um, you know, obviously we'll keep everything else in mind, but our focus at the moment is the Switch. Like we want to make sure that we create this incredible, unique experience for those players, and that you know. Um, our focus right now is solely on making an awesome game for Switch and achieving something, you know, that doesn't feel like anything else on there. And besides the um, Mickey games we discussed, what other games kind of influence you guys as you make this this kind of multiplayer platformer experience? Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so obviously Mario goes without saying, right? Like, you can't make a platform. Anyone our age can't say they're working on a platform game and not inspired by Mario. Um, obviously, back to... Mario 2, Mario 3, Mario 64 being the greatest game ever made. Um, but then, like, obviously, stuff like Ori, Ori in the Blind Forest, Ori in the Will of the Wisps, just incredible modern games that combine kind of that Metroidvania feel, but more towards platforming. So they're a big influence. We took influence from Metroid games. We also just took a lot of influence from, like, classic platformers. You know, we were we were looking at stuff like Rise Star and, you know, all the kind of classic Mega Drive. Obviously, Earthworm Jim is a big hit here with us. You know, Eric, our animation director, his first job was cleaning up the line work on Earthworm Jim. Um, in fact, my childhood copy of Earthworm Jim 2 is just down there. Nice. Um, so, like, a lot of that classic 90s platform was like, what what made them feel good to us and how do we capture that feeling now um, was super important. Yeah, we actually had, like, a research list. So what we did was... Um, Every time somebody new came onto project, we'd give them like, hey, here's a list of games. The ones with stars next to them are like, you'd need to play these. And if you can't get hold of them, let us know. 
um, everything else is suggested. And then we did that with like cartoons. So like, hey, here's a list of Mickey shorts we recommend you watch. Um, but yeah, like, and obviously like, we also looked at stuff like, you know, Hollow Knight and games like this, which aren't necessarily one-to-one in what we're doing because they're more combat focused and around difficulty, but they're fantastic feeling modern platformers. Um, and, oh, and of course, Rayman Legends. I mean, we have very kindly seen comparisons based on our trailer. Uh, Rayman Legends is the greatest 2D platformer ever made. Um, and I'm not sitting here and telling you we're making a Rayman Legends beta, but that was definitely a big influence for us. Um, it's just an incredible feeling game. Yeah, not gonna lie. When I as I was kind of watching the uh, the game showcase for D twenty three Expo, and I saw your game come up without any context, my first thought was, "Is Ubisoft taking the Rayman model and making a Vicky game?" So, yeah, you're definitely in that wheelhouse. And and uh, I, again, I think that's a high compliment because those games are really really fun. Yeah, I mean, look, no one here was upset with you know. We saw the YouTube comments and Twitter thing saying, hey, is this Disney's Rayman Legends? And I was just like, I, I'm not filling those shoes, but I will take that comparison <laughs> any day of the week. Um, yeah, that, that game is outstanding. So another challenge I find with a lot of the co-op platforms, you make sure... Oh. Oh. oh, you're back again. Sorry, I lost okay, you sorry. I, I, I bumped the cable. I'll cut that out. <laughs> um, <laughs> so one of, the, one of the design challenges I see in a lot of the co-op platforms I play is... There's always can be that feeling, especially when I'm playing like with my kids, that someone's getting left behind or not keeping up and, and with the you know the, the pace everyone's trying to set. How do you guys approach that challenge in your design philosophy? That's a fantastic question, and I'm really glad you asked that. Um, so we've got a few things. So one of the things that was really important for us is that the length of this game doesn't come from dying, and that's not saying that games where you die a lot is bad, but like this isn't a game where we've tried to make a eight to 10 hour experience based on 150 deaths. Like if you don't die in our game, that is fine. So with that in mind, what we did was every time you load up Illusion Island and you go to character select, everybody picks their base amount of hearts and they could pick, you could go in and be playing on your own and want a challenge. And you might want to start off with one heart or you might be playing with your kids and you set them to infinite hearts. So they'll never die. Um, and everyone in the session, all four of you can have a different amount of base hearts set. So some of you can be infinite, some of you can be two or three hearts. So straight away, for those younger players who just want to enjoy the experience, you don't have to worry about them dying every five seconds. Um, and then the next side of things is as soon as any player goes too far off screen, they get put into a lovely little envelope, they fly in and they pop into the gameplay. Um, so that's kind of like the heavy handed stuff. That is like the, hey... Someone's gone off screen that, and the someone dies. Someone's dying too much for their enjoyment. Then on top of that, we've got a selection of like multiplayer focused mechanics. Um, so one of our favorite things, which came from a World of Illusion influence, is in multiplayer, you can drop a rope at any point, and that rope will drop through anything a player can travel through. So if you're playing with your kids and you're having a great time and you get right up to the top of a platforming section and they're struggling a bit, you can drop a rope, they can jump onto it, press X, and they'll ride up the rope to the top. Um, so no one ever has to get left behind. The whole idea is like, as long as one person on the party can get to the end, everyone has got an option to get there. We also, for those players that don't want to play Infinite Hearts but might need a bit of help, we have a hugging mechanic. So at any point you can ask for a hug and then another player can hug you and you'll both get like a heart. And it's a temporary heart until you take a hit, but you can do that whenever you like. 
Um, and then we have fun little things as well, like a leapfrog. So if one player is crouching, someone else can run and jump and jump off of them and they'll get a little bit more distance on their jump. Um, so we've really tried to make an experience which encourages you to work together. Um, you know, from the initial like play tests and stuff we found, the rope was very popular um, because it didn't feel like, it felt like a game mechanic, right? It didn't feel like, oh my God, like, this is not good for me. I'm, I'm obviously letting everyone down. It just felt like, oh, my teammates got a little bit quicker than me and now they can help me. This is fun. Um, yeah, so we just wanted something everyone can play. And everyone always says it. Everyone like everyone wants everyone to play their games. Um, but we've not made a kid's game, right? We've made a game, you know, similar, similar sort of target that those 90s titles had. But the difference is now is like, I want to be able to play this with my niece and nephews. Like, I want to be able to sit down with my niece and nephews who... Love them. They played Battletoads, but Battletoads was not an easy game for younger kids. But if I can sit down and play this and they can play as their favourite characters and every now and then they get stuck and I just drop a rope and they can follow me, like that's so much more fun. Awesome. So this question, this might be one of those ones you can't answer, so feel free to say <laughs> you have nothing to say. But, you know, you, you, you've got this game focused, Mickey, Minnie, Donald, Goofy. But there's other characters out there like Daisy, Pluto. Is there any potential for DLC characters or, or additional unlockables or things like that as far as more characters to play as? So look, the best way I can answer this is right now there's no plans, right? And what I would hope is that this game comes out and everyone loves it the same way we do. And I can promise you my door is 100% open to conversations about further characters and further DLC. Um, right now it's it's the Fab Four is who we're focused on for launch. Um and that is the plan. But if the game gets received well, I think, you know, we've had a great time making this. Disney's had a great time making this. I'm definitely sure we'd be open to those conversations. So let me uh, let me kind of start wrapping up with uh, a little pie in the sky question for you. So let's say this, you know, after this experience, Disney's like, hey, we'd love working with the Lala. What else would you guys like to work on? If you could have your pick of the IP, oh, wow. what's another dream game for the Lala to make for Disney? That is a massive question. So it's a little bit, yeah. I will give you a convoluted answer like I have everything else. So <laughs> every year as an exercise, I make a list of IP that I think would be suited for the studio. And then I have a chat with our agent out in the States. And we figure out who owns these IP to have these conversations. I think for the last three years, we've done this list, we've had a look, and 80 to 90% of the IP has been owned by Disney. Um, <laughs> There is so much stuff there that we'd love to work with. I mean, you've got everything there from like, you know, a Mulan game would be fun, right? Like any of those kind of exciting, you know, the 90s stuff, the more modern stuff, working with some of those characters would be an absolute ball. Roger Rabbit, like who wouldn't want to do Roger Rabbit? Darkwing Duck and Duckburg stuff. Like, you know, obviously we've got, we've got Donald, but there's a great selection of characters there in Duckburg. I mean, you then obviously that then branches out well beyond Disney now, right? Disney is Marvel, is Lucas, is Fox. Um, I mean, I think I said this the other day in an interview, like, based on this experience, I could work with Disney for the rest of my life. Like, we love doing these big explorative IP titles, and Disney have got the best IP in the world. So I don't think I would ever run out. I think I would die long before I've got through my list of Disney games I'd like to create. Um, so yeah, I know that is a long answer, but that's a big old list, right? I think you can you can point to the Duckburg stuff and go, that would be fun. And then you can point to the feature stuff and say, oh my God, what amazing characters to work with there. Like, yeah, definitely. So my answer is all of it. I, I would do all of it. <laughs> I 
Well, let me just throw my hat in the ring for a Darkwing Duck game because I've been wanting a new one for a very long time. And I think you guys could, especially with like, like I kind of take the the Illusion ILR style and like just add more dark purple to it. And I can totally <laughs> see a Darkwing Duck game working very, very well with what you're doing. So that would be rad. Just, just saying. But AJ, this has been super fun. It's, you know, like I said, when, when we started talking on Twitter, I was like, is he going to talk? He's going to talk to me. Oh boy, this is exciting. Cause again, I just saw this, this trailer drop at D23 Expo and I was just floored. Cause again, I have three kids. I'm like, well, duh, I'm going to get this and play this with them when it comes out TBD 2023. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, just, just kind of to wrap it up when that, when that trailer did hit and you, you know, the reactions are coming in, like, what was that like for the studio? Like, like to have that big coming out party for this game, you know, where, where Disney fans in particular are going to be really watching. Oh it, yeah, amazing! Amazing! Like it's still we're still riding. Genuinely, we're still riding that high. Um, I was quite sneaky, so the team hadn't seen the trailer before D twenty three. In fact, only four people at Delala besides me had seen it, and they hadn't even seen final. So they just helped with their little input. Um, so what we did was like uh, me, uh, operations director Gemma, tech director Ben. Uh, Mark, our IT director, we were all in LA for D23. So we arranged a little party at the studio for the team to, to watch it. Um, and I've got this wonderful cell phone footage I got sent to me where, like, it's just someone in the room and filming everyone. And, like, they have no idea what the opening is, right? So obviously, it starts off with the big dramatic music, boom, boom, and you get the Disney thing come in. And then the Delala logo comes on and the room erupts. And it's this lovely. And then we come off that, they come off that massive high and then it's terrifying not knowing how the internet's going to react, right? Like, we had real highs and lows on Battletoads. Like, the last Battletoads trailer got received brilliantly, but the one before that, we got, you know, a pretty negative reaction. So I think we were all a little bit, like, reserved. Um, and just this overwhelming positive response, it was amazing. Like, I was so over the moon. Like, I could not tell you. Because... You know, I, of course I get affected by it. Like, it hurts me when we put our heart and soul into stuff and people receive it negatively. But, like, it was just the team. All I cared about was, like, please let the team get what they deserve here. Um, and just the response has been so lovely. Like, people are so excited for a new Mickey game, excited to play as the Fab Four. You know, like yourself, a lot of great response to the fact that we're doing a, a 2D, you know, harking back to the 90s stuff. Um, so, yeah, it's it's just been incredible. Like. I mean, anyone listening, thank you to everyone who has just received it so positively because that stuff means a lot, a lot more than we could ever describe. And especially as we're kind of coming to the end of the development cycle, it's a lovely little boost to kind of have that just overwhelming tidal wave of positivity. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's meant just so much to us. Awesome. Man. Well, hey, thank you again so much for joining us today. Uh, again, that's going to be Illusion Island coming exclusively to the Nintendo Switch sometime next year. <laughs> I'm sure we'll find <laughs> out a date uh, before long. And uh, yeah, I'll be I'll be retweeting you know, and when you guys announce uh, new stuff for the game, any new trailers or anything, and we'll definitely be talking about it when we get a chance to play it. So uh, best luck to you guys as you kind of start staring down the finish line on this one. <laughs> Thank you. And if you do own a Nintendo Switch, you out you can wish list it now to get kind of any updates on it. Not that I'm doing the marketing thing, but I should probably do the marketing. You thing. should do the marketing thing. That's what the end of the show is always for. <laughs> but yeah, and look, I will make sure that we get you guys some codes as well, so you can chuck some out to your listeners. So. Oh wow, we'd appreciate that. That'd be awesome. Thank you very right. much for having us. Though. We really appreciate it. Thank you, AJ. Take care. Take care. Thank you.